Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the Social Pros Podcast. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert and joined in a very rare occurrence by both of my esteemed co-hosts. It is Adam Brown from Salesforce. Hello, Adam. Hello, Jay. Hello, Anna. And Anna Harak from Convince and Convert here as well. Usually, it's two of us per episode. This time, you've got all three of us. You might ask, why, Jay? Why would you possibly put all three of you on one episode? It's because this is the Big Social Pros 2020 Year in Review episode. Cue the fanfare. Budget did not allow for actual professional fanfare, so the slow golf clap will have to do. Before we get into this, no foley budget for this one. <laughs> Can't do it. No, no budget. Uh, before we get into this special episode, I want to take just a moment to thank each and every one of you who listen to Social Pros now, going all the way back to January of 2012. There's a lot of podcasts out there and more all the time. Thank you so much uh, for spending some of your precious time with us. We truly appreciate it. Also, thanks to our sponsors, of course, our great friends at Salesforce for sponsoring every episode here in 2020. Also, our friends at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, who sponsored uh, several different uh, shows this year. Of course, my team at Convince and Convert for all of their work in producing the show, scheduling the show, putting up with me, uh, et cetera. And our good friends at Content10x.com, who we don't talk about very much on the show, but they do all the post-production and the social media graphics and the exposure for the show. Uh, they are fantastic. Thanks to them, too. We've done 49, I think, or something like that, 48 episodes this year so far. And, and, and what a year it's been, uh, a little different than most years, as some of you might know. And so we thought, well, how, how, can, you, how can you recap a year like 2020 other than with you know, infinite cocktails? And so what we decided to do, Adam and Anna and myself, is we went back into our extensive back catalog of 2020 episodes and we said well what are the what are the themes here what, what are the commonalities between all of these guests from all of these di different organizations who have all of these differentiated perspectives on how the world has changed and the and their work has changed in 2020 and so we did that and it was not easy it really wasn't. But what we came up with were a small set of themes, things that sort of bubbled to the surface. So what we want to do uh, for you in this special episode is talk a little bit about those themes and why we think they're important and lessons learned and things that you can put into practice now and in the future. And then we've actually pulled out clips from our very special guests from different episodes this week to give you just a little taste, a smattering and hors d'oeuvre, if you will, of their brilliance uh, in the previous episodes that we have recorded. Adam, I'm going to turn to you here because the theme that you identified uh, was the pandemic pivot. Uh, some people who are listening may have heard of something that's called COVID-19 uh, yes. that has had an impact on social media in a lot of different ways. Who are we going to hear from first? Well, well, Jay, this was this was really great to be able to to do this. Uh, I got to visit for the first time the uh, Social Pros Convince and Convert uh, archive, the climate controlled, you know, 120 <laughs> feet underground layer yeah. uh, of of yours, and it was so nice for you to allow me. Uh, to, to do that, to sit in one of those lovely leather chairs, uh, have the uh, the assistants and the librarians bring me. <laughs> All of these clips. Um, yeah. Thank you for that that opportunity, and of course, use of your private jet to get there, so that we did not <laughs> yeah, uh, risk any of the 
aforementioned pandemic and COVID-19, <laughs> but this, this was certainly a topic that was, uh, was 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 important to all of us uh, this year, as it was important to all human beings this year. And marketing and communication experts, social pros, all all felt this. And I wanted to pick a couple of episodes where I think we really got some some great advice. Um, you know, one is is advice uh, from uh, from Stephanie uh, Delugo Poloski um, from uh, Johnsonville Sausage, where where she talks about how she as a creator needed to do a better job of listening to the customers of Johnsonville Sausage for the different type of, uh, of content uh, that they were looking for. And I think that is a profound reminder for all of us to listen to our audience. And, and she, she shared this clip from episode uh, 418 of Social Pros. I talk with them every week and say, okay, what, what are the questions you're getting now in these COVID-19 times? And the number one question is, uh, well, two questions. Number one question is, uh, how can, how long can I freeze sausage for? Because maybe they've never done it. I have a fully cooked product, but I also have a fresh product. Um, so storage and, and, and things like that. And I said, yeah, we're seeing those same questions here. And then it's like, we don't have any content for that. <laughs> so we're right now in the process of trying to figure out the best way and again, what channels can proper storage and how are people searching for those terms? Stephanie goes on to to tell us how lasagna is was 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 trending higher and higher and higher and the actual keywords comfort food began yeah. to see more and more usage on the Johnsonville sausage website and all the places that they put their tens of thousands of sausage recipes. I mean it was really really an interesting episode and I hadn't thought about it that way. Her episode was early in the pandemic, uh, as you said, episode 418, which was March, I think, or early April, mm -hmm. something like that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is pretty interesting. Look at all these people searching for how long can you freeze sausage. Uh, and I'm like, well, that'll be a short-term you know, search uh, phrase. Nope. Here we are, almost a year later, still worried about it. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it was fascinating, right? Look, I... You, you have to have the ultimate FAQ now, and social media is a great place to, to help push that to the margins. And you can't take anything for granted. Like People don't even know if you're open, much less how long you can freeze a sausage. So there is no question too obvious. Uh, and and I loved how, how Stephanie framed that. So who else do we have in the pandemic pivot? From uh, from Stephanie listening to, uh, to, to customers, to Laurie Meacham of JetBlue, um, she is no longer at JetBoo, but Laurie had an unbelievable episode with us. And she's an unbelievable social pro in her own right. Episode 430, where she talked about as a, as a brand steward and with a, with a great brand like JetBlue, she had to work to adjust the content as you would expect of any airline uh, during uh, the pandemic. Uh, episode 430. We have had a lot of fun just engaging with customers in a fun way. We've, over the years, started using a lot of gifts in our responses. We've kind of become well-known for that. Um, and, you know, we even have some branded gifts that we, we like to use. And I know I'm saying GIF could be JIF. <laughs> There's always a debate on that. Uh, but we've had a lot of fun with that. I think those just speak volumes to customers when you can see that. And it, it not only shares the message and the response, but it also shows that 
we're humans and we have kind of this commonality and this is how we communicate now. So that's really been human. And I will say one of the evolutions we saw with COVID as people started showing a little more concern about traveling and, you know, travel was becoming something that, that wasn't as seamless as it was before. There were a few more barriers, you know, like, is it safe? Is this okay? And just recognizing that and recognizing sort of this global feeling of uh, fear creeping in and concern, we really scaled back our use of gifts a lot. And we did that pretty proactively early on, just knowing that this is not the right time, because even if you're responding to one person and having fun with that one person, the optics of that can look like, you know, everything's fine here or a little bit flippant. And that is not the this is not the time for jokes, Adam. It isn't. And it just shows us how we, you know, we as social pros may come to this as, as more marketers. We may come to it as more communicators and public relations practitioners. But you've always got to, and I say this as Queen's Gambit, uh, which my family watched uh, over this past weekend. We all have to be two or three uh, chess moves ahead. Uh, and make sure and recognize every single tweet, every single post needs to kind of have that, that, that smell test. Is it going to be appropriate now and in the, in the future and for posterity? And you just have to be so tuned in to, you can't just set it and forget it and then write a post a week from now and expect it to still be relevant. You really have to be there, be present every single day. Also in the hardcore GIF camp, not GIF camp. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us are old enough that that we're all team GIF uh, here on Social Pros. Lori's exactly right, though. You got to read the room, uh, and yeah. and the room has changed a lot uh, this year, and and uh, maybe for some time to come. Speaking of things that have uh, changed, one of our guests uh, this year on the Social Pros podcast, Adam, had quite an opportunity fall into his lap. He, he he did. Luca Adukic of the Chicago Bulls. Wow. I mean, at the very meta level, professional sports this year. I mean, uh, we, we had the bubble uh, down in, in Florida. Uh, the Chicago did not participate in said bubble. But, but Luca makes a great point uh, on episode 432 about how you've got to prep for the game, even if that game doesn't take place and take advantage of opportunities. Keep your ear on the track because the Chicago Bulls had a gift of epic proportions from ESPN Films with the documentary that we all hopefully watch. And if you haven't, what is wrong with you? The Last Dance. <laughs> talking about you know, primarily uh, the voice of Michael Jordan and some amazing years with the, uh, the Chicago Bulls. But Luca and, uh, and Luca's team took such advantage of that situation, created great content. And again, that's, that's kind of what guerrilla marketing in some cases is all about, is taking advantage of situations in real time. That's what we can do in social. And that's what Luca talks about here from episode 432 it was a wild time. Like it was almost like, it was almost like being in the playoffs, right? It was almost like there, there's a huge thing that everyone's watching and you have to prep every week. We prepped as if it was a game and every episode we had five or six people working all week. We were preparing content. Um, it was, it was absolutely like an insane experience and it, it was super fun. Um, you know, ESPN did, um, we did have contact with them and they kind of would, would give us the points of the upcoming episodes so we could prepare content ahead of time. So as things were happening and they were showing things like if they were showing, you know, Dennis Rodman stories, we had Dennis Rodman content pulled up. Um, so we, we did have some advanced notice and work with the, the league and, and ESPN a little bit on that. So that was extremely helpful. Um, 
but it was, it was crazy guys. I mean, honestly, like Nielsen sports sends like this, like weekly or bi-weekly recap of like what's going on in the world of sports. And we were by far the most engaged with mentioned team in the world at, at, for those five weeks, which was, which was crazy. We were like blowing everything out of the water. It had the highest numbers in terms of impressions engagement since I've been at the bulls. And that includes a couple of prep playoff runs. Crazy, especially when basketball's not even taking place during that moment. Yeah, there isn't even any basketball, and they were the number one most talked about sports team in the world for five weeks in a row. Uh, but, geez, thankfully, ESPN gave them a clue. Can, can you imagine trying to create content You know, while you're watching the show? You don't know what's coming next, so well, that would be a, a real challenge. That kind of all-hands-on-deck situation... I think it actually happens a little too much in social media. And Anna, one of the themes that you bubbled to the surface from the episodes that we recorded this year was this notion of social media burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, I think as social pros, we know and our audience as social pros, our listeners know as social pros, just how much is on our plate every single day. We know what it takes to get the job done. We know the commitment level that it takes. Maybe other people don't outside of our immediate day-to-day role. But I don't think we really realized how much was there until you added a pandemic on top of it. And you are having to shift and change on the fly. And you are having to do things faster than you've ever had to do them before. And it just became a lot. In fact, burnout was a part of almost every single conversation with every guest this year in some way, shape, or form. And I don't think I truly realized, I mean, I knew, but I don't think I really truly realized how much was on our plates until we had Tatiana Holyfield on. And she was then the VP and head of digital strategy at Pacer Sports and Entertainment. She's now head of brand social at Hulu. And she joined us for episode 433. And she went through exactly what it takes to commit to this job and what we need to watch out for. Yes. But if you want to become a social pro, be prepared for the lifestyle that it that comes with it. And what I mean by that is this is not for the faint at heart. This is a 24 hour, 365 commitment. Your life will revolve around being glued to your cell phone, glued to your, you know, computer and mentally you have to be prepared for that. And so for anyone who follows me on LinkedIn, uh, they know that I am a big advocate of mental health in this industry. And it's one that I don't think a lot of companies pay attention to, you know, social media professionals have to be glued to their phones day in and day out, looking at all type of content, good, bad, and ugly. (laughs) And they also have to be on point with crisis management and being creative and writing copy and, you know, being ready to go at the drop of a dime and staying up to three, 4 AM and doing it back over again. And if you want to be a social pro, you got to be ready for that lifestyle. So that's the tip that I would say is, uh, be ready to commit. That is a lot. And then again, on top of a pandemic, 
Um, it's, it's kind of amazing because before, you know, she touches on the notion of mental health and really making sure to check that, but you know, like, what do we kind of do about that now? Like there's really no more vacations. There's no more traveling. So what I loved is, is soon after we actually had Lori Bird McDermott on, and she is a social media professional and co-founder of 1909 digital and manager of the museum social media managers, Facebook group. And she was on episode. 403. And she talked to us a little bit about what that solution actually looks like. So once we kind of recognize how much we have on our plate, we start to feel that we're pretty burnt out. Lori has this great, great example of how we can actually fix it. Yeah, she was terrific. I think she was the first one this year to really bring this idea of burnout uh, to yeah. our audience. And, mm-hmm. and it was interesting. She kind of um, was the tip of the spear. And then we kept hearing it over and over and over yeah. episode after episode. It all started right here with Lori. What I've been on a little bit of a mission um, to bring to light more recently um, is the misuse of the term burnout, actually, um, that really people keep putting the impetus on the employee to solve the problem. Um, And so that's why we're going to um, groups like Facebook groups to have that support system. But really, um, what I'm finding as I'm looking out into the broader like writings of other people is that um, putting it on the employee is really more victim shaming, actually. Um, it really needs to be put back on the employer to be proactive in their approach to helping find that space for social media managers to, you know, have their well-being thought about. Um, and so I found this recent article um, in looking outside of the, the museum social media manager sphere um, from a writer and a social media pro, Ella Dawson, um, that just hit recently. And it really resonated with me. And this metaphor, she said, was um, you can't unburn burnt toast um, because once you're burnt out, you're burnt out. It's pretty much you're just kind of done. Um, so really what we need to do is work together to prevent it. Yeah, I was kind of shook by that, right? Like that idea that, look, you can't even take a vacation and recharge your batteries that like once, you know, once you're done, you're done. Like, you know, they say that in baseball, uh, metaphorically, there's only a certain number of base hits in every bat, right? And once you sort of use them up, you got to get a different bat. And that's kind of what Lori is saying here, that in a social media manager context that, you know, once you've been pushed so far and so hard and so often, you're just like, I'm out, I'm going to go do something different. And that's, that's sad, Adam. As an OG yourself, I mean, you know, you, you started as a social media manager way, way, way back when. Um, do you feel like that's true that that people just sort of get to the end of the rope and say, "Hey, I'll, I'm going to go do something else," whether it's marketing or customer care or pumping gas or anything else? I think we're we're seeing that, and I think what we're seeing here, if I if I were to meta out just a little bit, because I think we also see this with with creators, so YouTube mm-hmm. creators and things like that, both. Those creators and we as social media pros and and practitioners and creators, we are, I think, we're we're at the we're at the burden of the algorithm. In both of these kind of job descriptions, it is an algorithm that is calculated to keep what have you done for me lately kind of going. And this is very different than the what have you done for me lately that a sales professional or something else mm-hmm. sees. And I think what we're we're seeing is is this kind of like residency. For uh, for a doctor, uh, where you're you're working, you know, uh, you know, 
20, 25 hour shifts, uh, and then, you know, and going back and crashing or saying, okay, once you've done that, then you can kind of go and up to different types of stratas and different types of roles. This is without a doubt, you know, bootcamp, uh, if you will, for, mm-hmm. for marketing, uh, in some good ways, but in a whole lot of not so good ways. Anna, who else did we have uh, talked about uh, burnout? So we also had Sally Pogion, director of social media at University of California, Davis. Um, she was episode 448. And what I loved about Sally is she talked about a lot of crises that they've been through on campus. Like there was um, a potential active shooter situation. There was fires. I mean, they had so much to deal with this year on top of a pandemic. It was, it was insane. But she kind of takes exactly what Lori was saying and builds it out even further about how we can actually come together as a community and support one another. Um, and I just really loved her, her advice on how we can all combat burnout together. But I think the biggest thing is rely back on those relationships that you've built, ask for help when you need it, start your metrics early and three, take mental health breaks. I think this is one thing that I was never really taught at the, I, cause I was at an agency and we didn't really talk about that stuff, but I think this year in particular has been really hard for anybody that's managing a community on social media and we need to take care of each other and we need to understand when to stop and take breaks. And a lot of this content that has been out there this year has been very triggering for, for certain communities. So making sure that we're taking care of our colleagues and, and running it as if it's a marathon. Yeah, I love that. The hustle culture isn't all it's cracked up to be uh, in a lot of cases. That is for sure. Adam, you you teased it a moment ago, perhaps unintentionally, but one of our guests who was uh, back on the show this year is our old friend, Adrian Parker, uh, who is now the Global Chief Marketing Officer at Patron Tequila as a tequila collector. I am an advocate of the brand. Adrian's an interesting guy. In fact, he just won an award, I think it was from Adweek. It's like CMO of Mm -hmm. the year or some crazy thing like that, right? Which is like astonishing. I'm so proud of Adrian. Um, And he started as a social pro. I mean, he started uh, as as the guy sending tweets on behalf of Radio Shack, if some of you remember that that, that brand. Um, And and (laughs) – You know, you you talked about social media being a boot camp and and then maybe you graduate to something else. And he is living proof that that can happen. For those of you who are in the social media community, we're like, you know, someday I'd like to be in, quote unquote, you know, a broader digital or marketing role. It can be done. Adrian is your, uh, you know, is the talisman that shows that that is possible. Uh, But uh, he has some other interesting things to say. What, what, uh, What was noteworthy for you? This was, I think, such a noteworthy episode, Jay and Anna. It was episode 426 of Social Pros, and, and you teed it up perfectly. Uh, here is a here is a person who started in in social media. You know, the interesting thing is for for I think for for us OGs, you know, we we were doing other things and then moved into social. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a generation of people who are starting in social and then and matriculating up or down or, or or sideways into other things. But Adrian, you know, really speaks about in his episode how I think the skill that he learned and, and 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 the tough things that we've been talking about and honor to set up with 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 our three great guests who who we've picked out to talk about burnout but again that was an ongoing trend and theme throughout most of the the year adrian talks about that and how his experience in social and digital and community led him i think to be a stronger overall marketer and that social isn't just a job it's 
Well, it's everything. I think I reflect on even my journey. And then I think about my teams, the job I was doing 10 years ago, I wouldn't even get hired for at this point because there's so much domain expertise required to actually maintain a social channel, the listening, the data analytics, the harvesting of insights, the ability to communicate, the ability to um, uh, leverage and influence internal stakeholders and knock down. I mean, it, it's a, it is a, it's such a multidisciplinary job. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get the job I had just five years ago, probably because the pace of change, right? So we went through all those models of brand as media channel, uh, brand as publisher, brand as storyteller, right? So we've all seen those and we all wrote the articles or read them, right? And, and I think now you, we're moving to a model where, you know, kind of the, our brand is a platform that just enables our consumers, but also our employees. And I think a part of our uh, structure has has really uh, evolved to that. And so what our team now for, for Patron, uh, for sure, you know, we have the in-house uh, social media community manager. There's still a version of that that role where, hey, you're the first line of defense, the first responder for our social conversations, but you're powered by an entire organization. And so now our paid media team, you know, who also buys, you know, TV and print or out of home, you're at that social table. Our PR and communications team, you're at that social table. Um, our event team, uh, the events we do physically, sh- the byproduct of a great event should produce some social exhaust or some social content that we could use. And so now social has become that heartbeat. Social heartbeat. exhaust, my favorite yeah kind of little two word snippet from uh, from that episode and and so true social permeates everything which is a great opportunity for us to to grow and matriculate and cross over and up but also you know making sure that that our industry as marketers and communicators recognizes that that we're doing all these things one of the things that makes social I would argue more difficult today than it would have been five years ago or 10 years ago is that the sort of atomic unit of social has changed from writing to, in many cases, multimedia, often video. Social media was largely a writing contest, right? It was a, it was a, who can write a better headline, a better set? 255 characters. characters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and now it's not that much uh, so often. It's, it's much more about who can make a better moving image at some level. And we saw lots of episodes this year that talked about the power of video content and how to communicate with video in a social context and certainly in a larger content marketing uh, world. And, and one of our favorite guests this year is Owen Hemseth, Owen Hemseth um, who goes by Owen Video. He was uh, episode 416, and he talked about why it's so important to be consistent with your video, to think of it as a show. And of course, that's very, very familiar for Anna and myself because we do lots of consulting for, for companies about this idea of content shows and social shows, and that the worst thing you can do is random acts of social. Let's hear from Owen is that you're showing up at the same date and time every week with similar themed content that that is is episodic in nature even if you're just posting tuesday tips right that's episodic in nature tip number and they don't have to be numbered it's just a it's a, a new tip and after a while you've built up a body of work that can all be binge watched like like a show on netflix this i believe will work on whatever platform until the end of time. So the same model of like, I'm going to post a Tuesday tip or a Thursday throwback. 
whatever that might be. That's the show model. It's recurring episodic content of similar theme and targeting a specific audience. Targeting a specific audience, indeed. Anna, thoughts on that? I just love the episodic content approach. It makes everything so much more polished. It makes everything so much more approachable. It just... I'm a big fan and there's so many brands that I can think of that are doing that. Um, and it just, it just makes everything so much better. You can then, you know, go and organize by playlists. And like he said, have binge watching and have people, it's so much more discoverable. It's, it's honestly one of my favorites. One of the things that's a challenge, and certainly we see this in our consulting practice is if you're not already in the mindset of, yes, we should have a show episodic content. If you just sit somebody down and say, Hey, y'all should make some episodic content. They're like, what? And Mm -hmm. I loved what Stephanie Liu said about that in episode 440. Stephanie is at Lights Camera Live, uh, also a co-author of a new book all about uh, social media, Ultimate Guide to Social Media Marketing, I think is uh, what they call that book. Um, In terrific, terrific episode. Listen to what she says. Uh, This is actually pretty funny create episodic content, their eyes go big. They're like, what do you, what do you mean? (laughs) How do we get started with that? And the easiest way to do that is what I call the 10 by 10 formula. And it's as simple as taking a sheet of paper and folding it in half. And on the left-hand side, you're going to write down the top 10 frequently asked questions about your business, your product, or your service. And these are things that you can get in your email from your sales staff. You could do a quick Google search to find out what people are searching for. Then on the right-hand side, and this is the most important piece, is what are the top 10 should ask questions? What are questions that people should be asking about your business, your product, or your service that they don't know about because they're not the experts? You are. And when you do that, now you have 20 topics that can turn into 21-minute videos or into 20 live streaming episodes. And at that point, your first 10 FAQs, that's season one. Great. Beginner content. Then move on to should ask questions. Season two. That's the best way to do that. And when you're live streaming, the questions that come up in the show, guess what? That turns into your next 10 by 10 formula. And it just keeps repeating that cycle. Man, I love that 10 by 10 formula. Isn't that good, Adam? Yep. That's that's ten thousand dollars worth of uh you know, of positioning advice right there. It's it's yes. one of those and, and, and magical ideas because it's one of those you say, I, why didn't I think of that? But I like to make the analogy that it's almost like you know your 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 house is is so dirty and you're like, well, should I, do I start in the kitchen? Do I start in the living room? <laughs> and and you sit there and you fret about it. And thirty minutes later, you're still fretting about it. But if you've just gotten off your duff thirty minutes ago, you would you'd be done. And this is one of those things by doing that by giving you a prescriptive way to get started. Wow. You, you have a season one, season two right there, and you're off the races and you've created these internal cadences and you created those cadences for your viewers. You don't have to be in an industry that is naturally visual or vivacious or dynamic to succeed with episodic video content. And in episode 393, we talked to my friend Mitch Jackson, who, like myself, is a graduate of the University of Arizona. Go Wildcats, also uh, one of Anna's favorite clients, as it turns out. And Mitch Mm -hmm. is an attorney. Mitch is a trial attorney. 
Yet, he is also one of the most successful and compelling video creators in social media today. Uh, he was a good trial attorney before social media was was invented, but he has built an enormous reputation for himself all over the world just because of how he uses video. And in this clip, he talks about how to sort of hook your audience from the very beginning uh, and, and kind of how to structure your clips um, so that people don't get bored and tune out. But, you know, I always try to immediately grab the attention of my audience. Most professionals, doctors, lawyers, dentists, CEOs, they spend the first couple of minutes talking about who they are, uh, how smart they are, what their credentials are. They're waiting for people to come in, especially on a live video, and then they dive into the content. What I like to do, and I, I think you probably would agree with this, is the same way I approach an opening statement in court. My opening statement in court, I don't stand up and walk over and thank the jury, uh, thank the judge, let them know how important it is to serve as a juror. What I do is I immediately dive into an emotional story, maybe a story that's two to three minutes long. It's a, it's a verbal headline. And I'll take that jury by the hand and walk them back in time to the day when the incident or matter took place. And I'll use sight, smell, sound, all of the senses in this two to three minute story. Then I'll stop. Then I'll introduce myself and I'll thank the jury for being you know, there. And then I'll roll into my normal opening statement trial stuff. I do the same thing with live video and with recorded video. I want to capture my audience's attention immediately, then take a step back and then dive into the content. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges I see professionals have is giving themselves the opportunity or permission to tell an emotional story to start things off. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit, Adam. Yes. I knew this was going to be a special episode. This was 393, so very, very yeah. early in the year, because this was the first time. This is something that, as we say this, as we record this in December, is ubiquitous. But Mitch was the first show where he was using a green screen, uh, even just as we recorded this non -video. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he had a virtual background. It, yeah. Had a virtual background, and I knew... Okay, this guy knows of what he speaks as it relates to episodic video content. And you just heard a snippet there, but it was uh, it was social media gold. Yeah, if you don't follow him on Twitter or elsewhere, uh, do it. Look it up, Mitch Jackson. Obviously, show notes available at socialpros.com. Uh, look for episode 393. I should just take a second to remind everybody, you probably know this, but just in case, that every single episode, the 451 that precede this episode, are available at socialpros.com. Clearly, the audio, in many cases, transcripts, detailed show notes, links, etc. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to dig into the back catalog, uh, knock yourselves out. Anna, one of the things that you and I have seen in our consulting practice this year is an increasing convergence of paid social and organic social. In, in some cases, becoming a difference without a distinction. And we have this conversation a lot internally, like should we even, when we're working on a social media strategy for a client, should we even document a paid strategy versus an organic strategy or is it just a communication strategy that sometimes you put money against? And Uzair Hassan from Edible Arrangements was such a fascinating episode this year because they oh, cool. literally, that's how they think about the business is, yeah, 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 whatever, paid organic. Like we're just trying to, we're, we're just trying to sell, you know, cookie bouquets, uh, you know, however we can. It, it was awesome. Uh, what'd you think of it? 
This was actually one of my favorite episodes to record because I had gone in and like, yeah, of course I know about edible arrangements. Like who doesn't know about them? Like, you know, they've been around forever. I thought I knew everything. Of course I did pre-show research and looked at everything and saw what they were doing. And then Newsair came on and just totally blew my mind. And Adam, you and I recorded this one and he just had some really, really cool advice. And one of the things that really stuck with me that he talked about was that they don't feel like they always have to go into every single platform and start with organic. And that piqued my interest because that is typically not what most brands do, especially now. And he talked about how they really do have a separate paid approach and how they really treat them as separate uh, entities. And I think his example that we have a clip of is actually it's gold. One of the cool features of Twitch is they actually have, um, they can force you to watch an ad, even if you had ad blocker on. So it's called a search, share stream. And so that's a way for them to kind of actually serve an ad um, without actually, um, with it, even if you have ad blocker on, which is a really cool feature that is kind of unique to um, Twitch. So um, it forces a user on Twitch to watch it. And I think that's one of the learnings, you know, when you come into a media world, the fact that I handle like paid and organic is that, you know, people think that to be active on a platform, you have to be organic and then it's about paid. But I think one of the key things I learned um, is that like, you can do advertising, be active with the users, resonate with them, but you don't necessarily have to like be on the platform you know you don't have to like be sponsoring a tournament you don't have to like post your own content like tiktok for example um our strategy there and we just started getting into it is more about influencers and paid advertising than it is about posting our own content we actually don't even have an account right now uh, to be honest on tiktok it's something that's on our list but we haven't got there yet um but i think that's you know one of the key learnings for anyone in like this world is that you know paid and organic can functions on separate ends. You don't have to do both. You can do one or the other anytime. This this was so powerful for me and for, on, on two different levels. Number one, I think Uzair demonstrates um, that as social pros, the successful people that we have on this show each and every week are people who try different things. They're frontiers, men and women who are coming over that mountain first and they're trying things that nobody else would try. And that's one of the things we can do in social pros as social pros, because you know, we're not dealing with million, two million, $3 million budgets for most things we can try and evolve. The other thing I thought was so powerful here was that aspect. I, I was guilty of this before this show. I think of, okay, if you're going to do a platform, you need to do organic and paid, but you know, edible arrangements, a pineapple arrangement is not going to play call of duty on Twitch. No, not going to happen. Uh, but the audience of everybody who has a mom, and I think this was for Mother's Day, Anna, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. is on Twitch and leveraging that, leveraging yeah. TikTok. Again, this 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 just worked uh, for me uh, on so many levels. Uh, episode that four thirty eight was a great one. Agreed, and we got to geek out a little because we got to talk Twitch, which Adam, you and I are gamers, and we really never get to talk Twitch with anybody. Yeah, so. That was fun too. Um, but agree. Yeah. The edible arrangements isn't trying to get on Twitch and start talking about edible arrangements during a live stream of among us, right? Like they're, they know their place, they know how to reach their audience and that's what they're trying to do. And I think over the course of the years, 
you know, Jay, you really talked about it, how really paid and, and organic have really started to come together. And they, their lines are so blurred, especially now that we have paid influencer partnerships. It's hard to sometimes tell the difference between it. Um, and I think paid media has gotten a little bit of a bad rap because they've tried to be sneaky. And I think Maggie Thurman, who again was, um, actually this was one of my first shows this year with you two. Um, she talked a little bit about this too, and how when these paid partnerships and this paid media kind of sneaks into organic content, it doesn't feel right. It feels weird. It feels awkward. And it's just not the right fit. And um, Maggie Thurman, um, if you all haven't listened to her yet, she's episode 412. And she is a massive TikTok influencer. As of the time of recording, she has 3.3 million followers. Um, so she knows what she's talking about. But I, she had just some great insight into um, paid advertisers coming in and trying to form these really awkward influencer relationships. Yeah. And I think when she recorded this episode, she had fewer than a million. She had, she was earlier in her, yeah. in her TikTok career and she had just graduated high school, I think, or maybe wasn't even graduated, something like that. I mean, she's, um, she is a, a young woman who said, oh, I like TikTok and then built literally a whole influencer career out of it. Uh, as so many people have, um, she really gets what makes TikTok work. But perhaps more importantly, as you'll hear in a second from this uh, clip of episode 412, what makes it not work? I've definitely seen a lot of creators have a really tough time when they not necessarily, well, yeah, when they overly interact with brands, when they make their page, the majority of their content strictly bought, where it's so obvious that a brand has paid them to do this promo, to say this thing where it's not even them anymore. It's just, they're getting money to say this. And I think that that's really hurt a lot of creators. And that's been a huge turnoff for a lot of people on the app who are seeing it and saying, this, this isn't what I followed you for. I didn't follow you to see some promotion. I followed you for your content. And I think that's been a big downfall for a lot of people. We talked about influencer marketing a lot this year, uh, and, and probably easily could have included in this episode because it was such a consistent theme. But I think what Maggie talks about there is a real danger, right? As more and more and more and more brands start to embrace influencer marketing in some form of, or fashion, uh, because where else are you going to go for reach and exposure? Turning the influencers into just a paid mouthpiece is actually going to start backfiring on people. It's yeah. you know it's funny we we talk about authenticity so much, and it's such an overused term, but I think she kind of illustrates exactly why why it's still important. I, I hearken back and again, OG here, uh, you know, 20 years in my first days in public relations where uh, a video news release, and those of you who don't even know what a VNR is, just go Google it, was was kind of the de facto <laughs> standard. And it was yeah. kind of those these implied endorsements where you do a little package for uh, for a TV station that would look like a news report, but it wouldn't. And the authenticity challenges that we are talking about right now for uh, for creators and influencers happen then. And I fear the same thing is going to happen here with influencers if we don't get ahead of it. If you'd asked me at the beginning of this episode whether or not the phrase video news release would make an appearance... I would have said likely no. Uh, Adam Brown well, continues to surprise and delight year after year. A trip on the Wayback Machine uh, 
courtesy of Adam Brown, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, next week, tune in for information about the teletype, uh, which was a long ago <laughs> tool <laughs> used to communicate. Um, it is funny what was, though. What was, the, what was the little click cat thing that you you plug into your computer? Had the little, you'd read the barcode. Oh huh, yeah, it was QCAT. QCAT. Yes. Uh, and and the reason I know that this is okay, friends. Feel free to pause the show. The reason I know the QCAT so well, I used to be the head of digital. Um, for azfamily.com, which is the largest kind of TV station website in Arizona. I started that company. We got bought by Belo, um, which at that point owned the Dallas Morning News and several other newspapers and like a million TV stations. Belo, um, their venture studio invented and, and invested in QCAT. So my job was to actually pioneer the QCAT. Uh, and, and I actually created some of the very first ads trying to convince people to use it. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, it literally was um, a little wand, almost like a thick pen, like a marker, I guess I'd say, uh, with a little um, uh, infrared reader on the tip of it. And you would plug it into your computer. I would want to say it's USB, but I think this predates USB. It's probably, probably like, serial. Yeah. Yeah. Serial bus connector. And then what you would do is in a magazine ad or a newspaper ad, um, because we owned a bunch of print as well, you would literally wipe this little magic pen across the barcode and it would go to the website. So it was, imagine like, imagine a like a stone, yeah, it's a stone age version of a QR code that actually required hardware to access. And it's a wonder that didn't take off. Yeah. It's a, it's extraordinary. <laughs> there is a warehouse so somewhere with tens of millions like of, of $50 million dollars on that. BG's yeah. eight track tapes. Yeah. Yes. I have yes. So many questions that I don't think I want the answers to. No, we're going to ask. We're going to ask our producers to see if they can source the Wikipedia link and or a photograph of the QCAT, uh, and you can find that, my friends, at socialpros.com. Let's close up this special uh, year in review episode. Adam, what are you excited about for 2021, in addition to the fact that we don't have to use special hardware to access uh, URLs now? Uh, what, what, are you, uh, what are you excited about? Well, and Jay, and I'm glad that we're ending the show with a laugh because I think that is very therapeutic yeah. and, and necessary. And you and that Far is Between. Where, <laughs> that is where the optimism kind of continues for my, uh, for my wishes and what I'm excited about next year. I think as it relates to social, this has been a tough year for social uh, with, 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 with civil unrest. And, and, and in particular, what I'm thankful for is we are now out at least as this, as this show drops out of an election cycle. And my hope, my sincere hope is the vitriol that we have, have seen on all sides of the political spectrum in social media will sustain a little bit. And we can try to get back to uh, a, a little bit of, a little bit of kindness, a little bit of still addressing the important topics that, that there is passion, but not the political vitriol. That is my hope for, uh, for next year's. And my hope is too, because of, how marketing and communications has changed here in 2020, that we will see budgets for 2021 begin to over-index perhaps more on, on the social media that activities and personnel that we've been talking about all 52 weeks this year. Yeah. Anna, how about you? Um, aside from getting the COVID vaccine, I'm very excited in 2021 <laughs> 
uh, for TikTok, actually. I think this year was really, really interesting. It definitely, TikTok started off the year as oh, a cute platform where teenagers go and they do crazy dances or they lip sync to things. And now it is a force that is absolutely, um, no one can ignore it anymore. And for good reason, I'm excited that they are shaking things up. I'm excited that they are um, presenting a real challenge for other platforms who have been a mainstay. So I'm excited. I, I will take that uh, also and, and just tweak it a little bit. You know, it wasn't that long ago, maybe even a year um, ago or certainly two years ago, where I kind of thought, you know what, the, the the players that we have are the players we're going to have, right? That, yeah, Instagram will launch a new feature that they probably stole from somebody else and, um, and other people will kind of make some changes and, you know, Twitter will double the length of their character count or whatever. But I really felt, I really felt like... Uh, at least in terms of the U.S. or or North America, that the social channels that we had were probably going to be the social channels we were going to have for a while because they were too big to fail, right? They they couldn't be challenged. Their their user base was so large and so entrenched that there really was no room in the market for somebody else. And now somebody like TikTok comes along and proves that wrong, although obviously musically um, its predecessor had had a, a nice little niche there. But somebody like TikTok comes along. But now even even a, an app like Clubhouse, which is recently um, launched, and, and the idea there's a, essentially an audio version of Twitter and kind of a a throwback to those more intimate conversations from, uh, you know, from 10 years ago, I think that has a really interesting uh, future as well. And so I think we're going to see increased splintering of social media behavior away from maybe your core uh, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, and, and, and people finding other corners of the universe, which as a social media strategist, uh, kind of cuts both ways. On one hand, it makes it harder to create a strategy because you got more places to figure out whether you should or shouldn't. But I think it's also much more interesting uh, because I felt like everything was getting a little rote and a little pat and a little static. Uh, and I'm really excited to see where we are next year. And as you said, Adam, yes, it's been challenging that social has been used this year for so much negativity. But on the other hand, social media usage overall is also way, way, way up. Way up. So way up. So so that's kind of good news. So yeah, I am uh, I am very optimistic. I'm very pumped. I'm pumped for 2021. I'm pumped for new channels. I'm pumped for this show. And I'm pumped for each and every one of you who choose to spend a little time with us uh, here on Social Pros. Um, we're thinking about doing more live streaming of the show next year and doing some other things uh, ourselves to allow you to connect with the show in a different way. Maybe ask your own questions of guests, things like that. Where we, we're in the laboratory uh, working on that. So, so stay tuned. Adam, closing thoughts. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, thank you to each and every one of you. As, as Jay always says at the end, and I don't mean to steal your thunder here, sir, but you know, we wouldn't, we couldn't and wouldn't do this with, without you. So thank, 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 uh, thank you. Uh, and Jay, thank you to you for letting me be on the show. Anna, thank you for letting me co-host with you. Um, this is, this is great. And I look forward to 2021 and, and where our industry is, is going, uh, we know it's going to go up. Usage of this channel is going to go up, and this is becoming more and more of an important part of the media mix of all the brands and companies and organizations and brands that we work with. Yeah, you bet. Anna? 
Um, same. Thank you, Adam, for letting me co-host with you. Thank you so much, Jay, for inviting me to be part of this wonderfully amazing show. Thank you to the guests. This was um, such a fantastic year and so many amazing guests, especially during such a hard time. It's crazy to see this as like almost like a little mini time capsule um, in chronicling everything that happened week by week. Um, and most importantly, thank you so much to the listeners. It was so great to be able to join um, and, you know, interview all of these amazing guests and create this wonderful show. We've got more amazing guests on the way. Uh, tune in soon. We're going to take a week or so off for the holidays. We will be back soon with what is hopefully your favorite podcast in the whole world. This is the Social Pros Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the 2020 year in review. Have a fantastic and safe holiday season. We'll talk to you soon.